Welcome to the 10 for 2 Guy Show. We're your hosts, Steen and Holgate. On today's episode, after a nice, nice winter break for both me and Steen, we have a giant crew of people that we are bringing on to the episode. Uh, they, are, they range everywhere from unit leader to CIT. Uh, we know them as our family, but you may know them as other names. So starting off, our first introductee. In 2018, he was the CIT Uncle Henry winner. In 2014, he was the high inner Uncle Henry winner. And in 2016, he was the dedicated yogi. Hailing from Lower Marion, Pennsylvania, the 2021 high inner unit leader, please welcome to the stage, Ethan Mannon. Ethan, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm excited That's to be here. Fantastic, fantastic. All right, next up, we will be introducing his awards. In 2018, he was the Gray Color War Achievement winner. In 2018, he was the High Low Senior Uncle Henry winner. He has two Best Actor awards from his role in Damn Yankee on Notre Dame and The Princess Bride in Washington. He hails from Needham, Massachusetts. Please welcome Jack Rose. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing, man? How you doing? Spectacular. Fantastic. Good to hear. All right, next up. Shout out. You remember the Orange family? Congratulations to Jack for making it into Syracuse. Thank you. Thank you. Go Orange, baby. Go Orange. Damn, very surprised that Jack Rose got into college. So that'll be a fun one to see how he did that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Common Awards. In 2020, he was the College League Achievement winner for Ohio State. In addition, that year, he won the Best Actor for his role in Frozen. In 2014, he was the High Sophomore Uncle Henry winner. And he has two baseball MVP awards, one in 2017 for the U13s and one in 2014 for the U10s. Hailing from the 305, Miami, Florida, please welcome Noah Katzman. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. But you actually forgot my swimming award. So please put that in next time. Thank you. You want your swimming award? All right, Katzman, you had like seven other awards. They were all a bunch of random achievements. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Swimming. I don't know if we care about. Yeah. I, that Katzman, is do you want to hear, you... hear them all? All right, here you go. 2018 Music Award, 2018 Baseball Achievement, 2017 Volleyball Achievement, 2016 Baseball Achievement, 2016 Swimming, 2015 Football. You happy? So, no, I just... I. I feel bad. You got to shout out the swimming guys. Not you see, I was not the best swimmer in my day and I still got managed to get it done. So just showing all the kids out there, you can do whatever you put your mind to. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. And then our final guest, uh, he has been, he was a CIT in 2021. In 2021, he won the best actor for his phenomenal performance in Beetlejuice. In 2020, he was the high senior uncle Henry. In 2020, he was also the College League Achievement winner for NC State and the Best Actor for Spider-Man. Please welcome from Radnor, Pennsylvania, Mr. JVH Jake Van Horn. That's right. That's me. <laughs> Hi, how you doing, man? It's been a long time. Let's see. How, what's going on? I'm doing good. You know, I'm happy to be alive. I wish my introduction was a little bit, little bit longer. You know, there are a bunch of awards that could have been, could have been on there with some better decision making, but. You know, we move forward. Now we're now we're looking to be a staff member. Hey, love to hear that you're coming back. So we can kind of just like get well, right into it. So, Jake, we'll start off with you, man. So you just came off of a hot CIT summer on the Georgia Bulldogs and the Maroon Medmen. Maroon Medmen? Sure, that's what I'll say. Um, what was like the thought process in coming back to be a JC? Or rather, what's the thought process moving forward for wanting to come back to be a counselor? So, uh, well, as of now, I'm not officially back because I have yet to signing the papers, but I'm, I'm looking to come back. You know, I think just laziness has prevented me from officially signing up, but you know, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, 
I've seen some great role models before me come back to Manitou and be counselors. And that was part of the decision-making because I want to be a great Manitou man like others before me. And hopefully that sets me up for success in the future. Hey, I'd love to hear it. Love to hear it, man. That's, that's some good points. Yeah, I guess I'll go into this first. I mean, you're talking about the role models and obviously CIT year, you had two huge counselors, uh, Zach Stern, Hank Katz, two sort of camp legends. How do you think having them for a couple years in your division sort of impacted the end of your camper career and, and led to you decide to try and come back to be a counselor? Well, uh, Hank and Zach's influence was definitely huge on me. Uh, they, they've always been a big voice to myself and others, but along with them, Guys like Roberto Escalante and Joey Rifkin were also huge influences in getting me back because I've seen how they, those smaller name guys, have impacted camp in the way that I wish to do so in the future. And they've really set the stage for a guy like me to, you know, build my name. Great to hear it. Great to hear it. Um, I guess the next thing, while we're talking about coming back, we have two JCs here that uh, we can give good uh good stories of why they come back. One of which was the JC of the year. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier. Uh, very well-deserved. Do either of the JCs, do you guys want to like talk about what your process in coming back as a counselor was like, or what at least the thought process was for that? Um, yeah. So I already uh, filled out my application and everything. And I have uh, my call with uh, the directors, I think within the next couple of days. So I will be attending camp this year and shocked to pretty much nobody. And yeah, no, just like, Word of advice for guys like Jake is don't expect it to be CIT year part two because mm. that'll that'll catch up on you really quickly. And this year, you have a lot more responsibility and a lot more to take care of. And regarding the question of what led me to coming back is just everyone. Like all of our bunk guys are coming back from the ones I talked to, with the exception of like Brandon Balin, who we are going to really try to get back. But Oh, is he not back at the moment? At the moment, he doesn't believe he is, but just making sure guys like him and all of us could stay together for the next couple of years because after we're done with our, you know, Dean summer and whatever, which is all far way down the road, we won't get to spend our summers together. And just like appreciating the time that we have together now is very important. I'm sure Jack will say the exact same thing, but that's what brings me back for sure. Jack, anything you'd like to add to that? I mean, yeah, whole thing about me coming back is camp isn't like camp to me. It's really my second home. Everyone's my family there. So that's the big thing for me. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to spend my whole summer at home. And um, camp is really the only place I want to be for the summer. So that's why I just signed my, just filled out my application to come back. Yeah, you, we were doing the pre-show for this and we were making sure everyone was getting uh, on board and Jack, you just filled it out like a second ago. So, hey, kudos for you for finally getting off the couch. Let's go. Uh, so I'd say for our final guest, he sort of had this very unique experience where it's not very common for a 19-year-old to lead a unit, especially a unit as big as the higher immediates were this year. So, Ethan, you want to touch a little bit about some of the challenges, some of the advantages, what do you like sort of disliked about being a unit leader this year? <laughs> yeah um i mean first let me say shout out to my high inters low low seniors this year uh it was a ton of fun working with you guys and staff holgate was in one of my bunks it was a lot of fun um, uh, the best bunk in the high inner division if i can uh, no precise. comment but clearly holgate has preferences oh you little weasel 
Uh, okay, whatever. Um, yeah, no, I, I had a lot of fun. Um, you said what challenges and some of the best moments. I would say definitely the biggest challenge. Um, there were 65 kids, uh, a lot of kids to handle. Previous year, I was in a bunk. Um, and so I'm used to, I was used to taking care of about 10 or 15 uh, kids. You were in the best bunk in camp, actually, a few years before, so. Uh, I see, I see. For anyone that doesn't know, Jack may or may not have stepped into my old bunk. Um, uh, talk about a downgrade. So, oof. Wow. Fighting the words, Holgate. Okay. <laughs> man, I don't know if your bunk was my favorite at this point. Um, yeah, no, I, man, and I knew it wasn't okay. We, we had enough beef, all no, right? No, Holgate, the bunk was fine. The bunk was fine. It really was just you, big guy. I mean, I don't know what's how. Oh, was that true? Wait, I, I would like to comment on one thing before Holgate makes any comments. In the previous, as, as an avid listener of the 10 for two guys show, I did notice that this is an Ethan Mannon slander podcast, and I'm not a fan that there's been zero slander so far. So I think there should start I'm being slander right now. Slander. Yeah. Love these so whole day, before you say there. anything, keep that really? in mind. Thank you. Slander you more. Uh, I would say to that, we do enjoy a good Ethan Mannon slander. It's all in good fun. Ethan, we do all love you dearly. You just, you're an easy target. Wow. Well, while we're on the topic Way to of, talk me up. All right. Well, while we've gotten to the topic of Ethan Mann and slander, Ethan, do you have any like comments from past episodes that you want to respond to? Mm, okay. Um, comments I want to respond to. You know, I probably you can say should no have, to this. Probably should have listened to all the past episodes before coming Ooh. on. Oh, all right. But folks, that was a great time with Ethan Mannon. He will leave, be leaving the call immediately. <laughs> but that is not in the heart right there. On that note, um, no, I I accept the slander. I think it's all in good fun. I enjoy it. Um, I'm happy I'm here though. Uh, so with with that said, we now have Ethan Mannon's consent to make fun of him more. This is perfect. Uh, I don't know if you have consent, but you would have done it anyway. So anyway uh just because we i actually have we i have gotten a few comments about that we were too then uh i would like to say we're too nice to him no too mean to him oh oh wait i want to hear this who has said they're too mean Uh, a couple of the kids from my bunk have said we are too mean to you let's go steen so to those people out there i would like to say it is all in good fun we love ethan dearly and we can't make fun of him unless we think highly of him in reality back to the back to the unit leader thing because i did want to say something um the best parts of being a unit leader i would say um getting to interact with more bunks right you get to work with more kids work with more counselors hopefully make it a better experience for more people um the downside to that though is i don't necessarily focus in on one bunk or any particular kids um i'm kind of more wide ranging um which was a trade-off but i really did enjoy having the opportunity to work with more people um and to just kind of be more around camp you know when i work in an instructional you're kind of like at that instructional it's kind of up to whoever comes to you whereas as a unit leader it's sort of your job to go to people and check in on them um which i really liked now do you have a preference moving forward or what of whether or not you want to be a cabin counselor again or be a unit leader again because like, um, this is an interesting conversation go ahead yeah i mean i definitely i definitely missed living in a bunk last year um there's a lot of upsides to that and you know i i think it was right that i didn't live in a bunk last year 
Um, I felt like I had a lot of responsibility and I don't think it would have been fair to live in the bunk. Um, for moving forward though, I, I don't know necessarily about being a unit leader, about being in a bunk. Um, you know, it's still a little early. I think in a couple months, I could probably answer that question. Um, That's true. We are, we are a, a good chunk of camp or a good chunk away from camp. I yeah. do want to think though we are nearing the halfway point. Can anyone fact check me on that? Uh, we'll get to the halfway point in early January. We're in the high 100s right now for days. It's usually about 310, give or take a little bit from summer to summer. It's, it's coming up pretty quickly. I will say that much. Um, so, yeah. So I guess let's, we can kind of hit like what everyone's really been doing in the off season a little bit before we really deep dive into 2021. Um, Great idea, Matthew. Thank you, Jake. Uh, Jake, we can start with you since you're so eager to hop off mute. Uh, wh- wh- where's your life at, at right now? Uh, I'm sitting cozy in my bedroom in Villanova, Pennsylvania right now. Uh, you know, I'm, competing in school to you know finish at the top of my class i was about to say Uh, you're in your junior year of high school right now right that's right i am are you playing like sports right now like what what do you got going on right now i'm not playing sports but you know over the off season i've been getting in the gym first time in my life just quite refreshing i'm getting ready for the varsity baseball season when march rolls around gonna be a great time big junior season are you Jake, are you guys playing, like, is Radner playing all their sports right now? Because I know a lot of Lower Marion winter sports had to get, like, put on, like, postponed for COVID. Radner is currently playing sports. They just uh, took fans out of the basketball games, which stinks. Uh, Yeah, that's not a lot of fun. I was having a great time supporting my friends at those games, but, you know. What else? Yeah, sports are, are still anything, going on. Are you doing anything specific to prepare yourself for JC Summer? Obviously, you're losing the ability to play games. What, what's that like? Uh, you know, it's tough, but I'm going to compete with the same attitude from the sidelines when I coach to a 15-0 and record every single year because oh, I accept nothing first. other than success. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a little shock to not be able to hit those fields again, but, you know, it's all got to come at some point. Rose now and I'm Kasman, just going to succeed guys, as a coach. Yeah, there you go. Rose and Kasman, can you guys quickly talk about like what that experience was like not being able to play games for the first time? Because you guys had to yeah. deal with that for all of 2021. What was that like? Obviously, we dealt uh, with it too, but how hard was it given that it was like your last They're not as good game? athletes as me, though. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, I wasn't always the best athlete in my division, you know. Rose, you were I, solid. You were solid six on I the was. team. A great two-game plug-in guy. I was very, yeah, I was very big two-game guy. You know, you put me in a two-game handball, I'll dominate, right? Put me in a one-game, not so much. But um, as many people saw during Color War Basketball, where I got in for 30 seconds and immediately took myself out. Rose, you got into Color War Basketball? Yeah, 30 seconds and immediately fouled Gabe Friedland. I mean, I guess that's kind of like... That's not too bad of a reputation. Like you, you, you play yeah. more staff basketball than me and Steen have combined. So yeah. So uh, the transition from uh, you know playing in the games to coaching, it was definitely a struggle at first. You know, my first few games, definitely missing going on the fields. But honestly, it's it's really different. But I like it. I like being able to you know help the kids out. 
and being able to support people. So it was definitely better for me than getting exposed on the field. That's fair enough. Katzman, do you want to add to that at all? So yeah, while Jack was um, adding his uh, bit of uh, advice to not playing, I had to do some research. I Out of the 15 loops I coached, I coached 12 softball loops, and nine of those games were decided by two runs or less. And not being able to hit in, like, those last innings in, like, the crunch time, like, kind of sucked. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Having to coach in those situations, definitely, it's not less fun, but it it's a lot less stressful not having to be put in the situation to succeed in one of those pressure-filled situations. But it's definitely something I miss from being on the sidelines rather than within the lines. Like, not being able to have those moments that you could like look back on and, you know, joke with your friends like Jake was just doing with me. Yeah. I mean, do you have any advice for people like Jake or the uh, incoming JCs on how to handle not being able to play in games anymore? Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of opportunities like as a staff member to uh, like play against your friends, like you used to like, you know, all the staff events and I forgot who run it this summer. I think it was Jaff and uh, Ruben who ran that that after like activities after evening activity staff games and they had like soccer and cricket and all that kind of stuff and that was really cool to like you know just like take a break from the counselor life and still like play sports with your friends so I feel like there's a lot of opportunities to still do things and compete against your friends regardless of whether it's in college league or outside those staff games that get put on under the lights are a rude awakening for a lot of uh, camper counselors because you have a lot of people coming hot off their CIT summer thinking they're very good athletically, and then 17-year-old them have to play up against actual college athletes, and it's it's uh, it can be tough. Honestly, I would like to segue into another question for our two hosts. Okay. So oh, you guys went the first time guys, we've been interviewed. Yeah, exactly. So just a little a little change of pace because I feel like you guys don't get questioned often on the show. But you guys are third years, uh, or were third years. Like you went through the same experience. What is your advice to the JCs? Considering Jake is also on this call and could use some advice from like just the perspective of becoming a JC or just for coaching. Um, anything for coaching, for becoming a JC, for not being able to play. Anything I'll like go, that you could use. I'll go coaching first because I guess my mindset was like, yeah, you're not athletic. Like, I think the mindset shifts the best thing for it. Like, if you understand that, yeah, you're not playing, but it doesn't mean you're not competing. Like, if you ever seen me coach, like, I'm running up and down the fields. Like, I'm trying as hard as I possibly could, can. I'm trying as hard as I was in every game I was playing. Like, Noah, anyone who's ever seen you coach softball, you were running up and down on the diamond. You were putting kids in positions. You were, like, expressive. Like, you're still competing. You're just not competing in the same way, but it's still a lot of fun. And personally, like, again, probably because I wasn't the best athlete, but I really do enjoy coaching more than I enjoyed playing. Because I think, like, the mental aspect of not just having to be in the game, but then having to think of what you're going to do before the game and trying to game plan a little bit is a lot of fun. Yeah, no, 100%. Hold it. Uh, yeah, one bit of advice that I always give to JCs is kind of just, like, be aware, be present, and, like, buy into things. But that's all I give. I mean, I could tell you day one that as a JC, you're going to have to do a lot of more things that you than you normally do. For example, running instructional, that's crazy. That's a crazy experience that 
I don't know if I was prepared for my JC year, but a lot of people um, have get to learn a lot from it. Okay. One on that thing on that, my JC instructional was fishing before I became the fishing instructor. I had no idea how to fish. Yeah. So the camp's going to expect a lot of you as a counselor and you need to be able to provide any little bit of knowledge to get yourself forward. Um, I think like holistically, the big piece of advice I would give is try to stand out, like do your best to be memorable for not only for the directors, but for like for the kids. So whether it's staying late at night, keeping trends with your kids, like always saying goodnight to them, always making sure you're paying attention with them, remembering what they say, remembering what they're like. Um, that little stuff can go a long way so that the next year when these kids remember you, it's so rewarding to see them again and have them remember you. And um, really just like have your legacy last at camp because once you're like, once you're a counselor, like it's, it's legit, you're legit then. So I don't know, Manon, can you say anything to that? Yeah. I mean, I would say um, in terms of what you were talking about, like, I would say like JC's coming off CIT year, they know that, you know, they were helping to lead college league teams and they know that kids look up to them as counselors. That's only heightened, especially for your bunk. Um, and, you know, they're looking to you and everything we do at camp starts uh, from the counselors. If the counselors are into it, kids will follow. Um, and, you know, I mean, to speak to John and what he was saying about competing, I think as a counselor, you absolutely are competing. You're just competing in a different way. Um, and I think that's very similar to, you know, going into a, a game as a kid and looking to play one way. It's not working out. So you have to sh uh, shift gears. Um, and as a coach, I think you have to do that a lot. Um, and I think you just have to find new ways of being competitive and new ways of um, investing yourself in the game and the team. Um, so I personally enjoy it. I mean, I, obviously I wasn't the best athlete either, and I've really enjoyed coaching, um, perhaps more than playing. Um, but there are people that, you know, have always enjoyed playing more. And even that, like I've spoken to them this past summer and after coaching a bunch of games, they're still like, yeah, I'd rather be playing than coaching. Um, and, you know, that's okay too, but it's definitely a unique experience and it, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Good man. Good man. All right. Is that, are we good on the questioning phase? Does anyone else have any more questions? Yeah. Uh, I mean, kind of think something that could be a good open discussion. Let's talk a little bit about color war this year. For those of you who don't really uh, know color war, Maroon versus gray on Maroon, you had all six of us on the same team. You had Nathan and Holy were the three guys who were to be running the team with Katzman and Jack were really our next two helping us a lot as our lead JCs. And then you had Jake, who everything from our lead CIT, who, who was the guy who ended up running it up the hill at the end of the cross country. So I really say like the six is the maroon brain trust right here. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to yeah. start on the, I don't start on their color war experience. I would love to start on the color war experience and it's not going to be me, the one who's talking. We all know where this is going. Operation Phoenix, which ended up winning us Color War, needs to be talked about. And the only guy who could do it is the leader, the operative, Matthew Holgate. Take it away. So, yeah. So I'll give people the story on Operation Phoenix because I don't think I've really given it justice on this show yet. So the whole premise of Operation Phoenix, to my knowledge, started back in 2019. So what happened was on the 2019 Gray team, where Halfen was the chief, you had a cohort of me, Zach Bianchi, and Evan Mendelson, and we were the three staff assigned to setting up the cross country. So 
I had come in the year after Bianchi and Mendelssohn were together and they had like crafted some brilliant formula in 2018. And then they brought into 2019 where they perfected it even more. So this is where they did stuff such as like measuring the locate or measuring the exact distance from one spot to the next, uh, doing time trials for like over six to seven, like kids per age group and really going in and like breaking it down to try their hardest for it. So I got to learn a lot about how to set up the cross country and I, I had the most experience with it. So what I did for Maroon was I brought in two new guys to sort of help build a nice cross country brain trust in Devin Gordon and Jack Rose. Jack Rose, can, can you comment on it all? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I first walked into the Maroon War Room uh, right after the break and Holgate comes up to me, he was like, yo, Operation Phoenix, let's go. And at first I was like, what? I didn't know. I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. But basically we sat in a room. We listed all the guys we wanted to test out on a spreadsheet. And I mean, I've never seen a cross country so organized. Like it was perfect from top down. We knew everyone running everything, all the exact distances. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there, there's just no other way to do it besides Operation Phoenix. Right. And, and I guess for context, Operation Phoenix, what happened was in 2019, we had Operation Neptune for the gray cross country. And then in 2021, Maroon comes around. And we're like, okay, I want to name this an operation again, but I need something creative. So one day in the off season, Zach Bianchi comes up to me. No, not in the off season. In the days before the war, he comes up to me. He's like, hey, do Operation Phoenix. And I kind of just like joke it off, laugh it off. Oh, that's kind of funny. And then I go, wait a minute, that can actually work. And we kind of just sold on Operation Phoenix and just ran with it. Um, I spent a lot of time of the, the, the final day of Color War really trying to like perfect stuff. And I had to go, I think that rest period, I was like going to many kids bunks asking, hey man, do you know how to swim? Do you know how to swim? Needed to get people in the water and um, really perfect that much for it. Um, I will say, I was very stressed. It was not easy at all. So um, it was like, in, at the end, it was very rewarding and it was awesome to see it all come together. And um, obviously I, I'd love to take credit for it, but it wasn't just me. It was obviously a huge help that every single person at each kind of leg of the race was very locked in. Katzman, you were pretty locked down out in Peckham Park. Uh, Manon, you did a great job of sending off the first runner. Steen, you got, you handled, um, uh, who's the kid you handled? Ari Convisor. Yes, Ari Convisor running down the hill. Jack Rose, you were with. Ari, shout out Ari Convisor. Oh, talk walk, baby. Yes. Neck and neck. And that was the last time that the race was close. <laughs> so yeah. shout out Ari. Oh my God. The race was so close. Because at that point, the people running down from culinary to the flagpole, that was, it was Nate Cortell was running against Gabe Murray. Nate Cortell is a low inner and Gabe Murray is a high inner. Both were like pretty even speed. And like, they were coming in at the exact same time. So I was very nervous at that moment. And obviously Steen, you facilitated a great handoff into Rose, the new dock walk specialist. I hope whatever color yes, team you're on next year, you control the dock walk again. And uh, yeah, I mean, it worked out well for us. Um, now with that being said, there are many facets of the war that happened before that. So now I do kind of want to talk about another great thing that helped us was the maroon all color. And that was facilitated by none other than Ethan Manon. So do you kind of want to talk about your strategy with that, Manon? 
Yeah, I mean, if, if I tell you my strategy, I might have to kill you. But, you oh know, the general, <laughs> the general, well, hold up, hold on, okay, they worked double for you because we did, we won it on Wyoming as well. And we've given you um, praise about your all college color strategy, but I don't know. I, I've given, like, I've said what wait, I think Wait, wait, you just asked about it, so I don't know what to tell you, bro. Like, Sorry to interrupt, yeah, yeah so, so the way, yeah, I mean, basically, um, you know, I met with, jack freeman um beforehand um jack was on the other team and you know we had to we basically you have to figure out how many people are in it um so it the numbers determined we speak with waldo numbers determined and then you know i i kind of take the list of kids um i see who we have and you know i arrange them in what i think is the best way possible um you know i i strongly push back against the idea that like you have a, you have these kids and no matter what order you put them in, they will run, you know, if everyone's sprinting, you run the same speed every time. I think that's very untrue. And even if you take the handoffs out of it, you know, I think that's really untrue. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a mental thing. I think a lot of things are mental, but, um, definitely when you're standing there coming up, getting ready to run and you can see and kind of, you know, follow, are you ahead? Are you behind? Um, it's a lot of fun. It's honestly one of my favorite events um, of the summer, the all college and the all color, both um, very stressful, but very, very fun um, to watch and be a part of. I'm going to need to interject here really quickly. Uh, we just mentioned that Wyoming and Maroon both won, but little did you know that I sent off both times in both all color and all college. So I think that might've been an X factor in uh the results of the race so For maybe sure. something to consider as well Catsman, it's a full team effort bro the, the kids running no, the counselors no. receiving sending putting kids in lines all of it it's a full team no, thing just, no i don't think so just the sender yeah. oh all right well but there's two senders. okay thank you nope just me <laughs> uh, uh, all right oh man awesome. yeah i mean if you say so i mean i, I don't know what to say about that i doing the entire all color like gray was winning up until the end like, I don't know, I was running back and forth, like, so scared that, because, again, this was at the point where if we had lost this, we would have been very far out of it. In the long run, we would have lost Color War if we had lost it. All due to Holgate and I's sending ability. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I will say, we, we can talk about, like, this conglomerate of six taking credit for, like, some events. But, like, with, I mean, us oh, as six, like... With a lot of help. Shout out Devin Gordon. Shout out Drake Cartwright. Shout out Luis. Shout out Roberto. Obviously, shout out Betts for running a great team. There is like an endless list of people we need to thank for the Maroon squad. And I don't, I think it's doing Maroon a disjustice if we say it's just up to this, to us six, which I, it wasn't at all. Like, no, no way. It was so many people, so many. And I, I mean, it worked out well. Like, we ended up in the lake and it was such a great experience. Um, obviously, doing with the six of you was incredible jake from a camper perspective and what, what did you think just about the color war in general yeah sure i mean like it being your last war like was like what did it feel like going out in the way you did you know it was uh it was pretty exhilarating to be able to run up that hill mm-hmm. you know win the war it was pretty lit as one would say uh really got the adrenaline rush pumping uh you know i felt like I felt like I had a great time with my fellow teammates, my CITs on Maroon that all 
we all I feel like we all had a great time for the most part, hopefully. Uh did you like yeah, was, did you ever expect when you were a camper like that you would be the guy to run it up the hill to win Maroon the cross country? Like and can I, I be totally honest with you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there you go, folks. You've heard it here first. But I mean, like, all things considered, that is a like a camp memory that not many people can say they have. Um, so that's right. Like, I watched, I rewatched the video on a daily basis. Thank you, Danny Kaplan, for recording. I was about to say, yeah, <laughs> that's like your workout uh, pump up. You get get to the gym, you watch that video of you running up the hill, and then you go pump iron. Yeah, can you say yeah. that? We're gonna probably need that for the Instagram post. Which one? What? Oh, the video. Yeah, yeah. You'll be running up the hill. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll send it to the chat. Jake, any other videos you watch on a daily basis from camp? Do they have to be from camp? Ah, uh, oh, 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 oh. Applicable oh, oh. if it's that way. Yeah. But... but give me a second to think about an answer. Um. No, nah, Jake. I was just, I was just looking to see if you would say what I want you to say. But that's okay. What did you want me to say? You wanted me to say George's president. I want to, yeah, not really. I was thinking of Beetlejuice, but have you been able? Oh. To, has George's uh, president been made public yet? Just on Carp's Facebook. Oh, okay. So they have. We haven't had a detached O2 style video come out for them yet. Nah, nah. For Wait, uh, Jake, yeah, was it a little bit like. So I mean, confirmed it us, but I heard like it was your idea when you were sort of at the beginning, just walking through the stands, like just saying oh, stuff. Beetlejuice. The show. It was my right? idea. That's right. Can you sort of talk us through the thought process there? Like, was it hard to convince, convince the theater staff to let you do that? or No, not at all. I convinced them before play week even started because uh, especially once I got my script, I realized that I was going to have a, a limited number of, you know, time on stage despite being the title of the play. Uh, so I was kind of like, you know, how can I maximize my – ability to succeed and excel here so i was like what can i do to lengthen my effectiveness so when i went out kind of through like the test run when the sophomores were coming in for the first play for the dress rehearsal i uh i went back i went in the back and i just like stood perfectly still and all of the little kids thought i was a robot and i was like seriously freaking them out when i started moving and i like had like the black worms in my teeth and you know it felt pretty sick i modeled it after uh, uh the boogeyman from wwe oh. uh how he used to eat worms and like bash a clock on his head i wanted to do that but they didn't let me um what bash a clock on your head or have actual live yeah worms? no bash a clock on my head fair enough yeah we're a cte free camp you know uh but yeah i just wanted to get get myself out there a little bit more see what i could do and you know i think it worked out pretty well you know i got to start some nice chants like i did for the rest of the plays and got to give people a taste of what they were gonna gonna get to see oh uh, one little follow-up on that was it your idea to shave your head or theater staff absolutely absolutely is my idea i lie i I no, it's not. I wanted to do it before I even saw the wig, and after I saw the wig, I was one hundred percent sold on shaving my head. Why? Because I wanted like like my poster, my sign that my dean Hank Katz gracefully get, gifted to me. I wanted to be memorable, 
I wanted to give the people something that they would remember after my, you know, some would say astounding performance as J. Jonah Jameson the previous year. I wanted to prove that it wasn't a fluke. So I wanted to be special, you know, show people that I'm that dude and that, you know, I'm the best I ever was, best I ever will be. Can we, uh, can we shout out Ian Mehta for giving that haircut? Am I correct on that? Yeah. Yes, you yeah. are. Fantastic job by Ian Mehta. Got me lined up real nice. You know, I if I didn't know him, I would think that he's a professional barber. I would think that he's working at Supercut somewhere in downtown Los Angeles, you know? <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, I guess the next little moment we can kind of talk about as far as memorable moments, Noah Katzman, you were the leader of the Wyoming Alma. Do you want to kind of talk about the process going into it? Like when you realized you were like potentially going to be leading the song and how leading the song was like, kind of talk about that for a bit. Um, yeah. So one thing I definitely want to shout out is a uh, shout out to Jeff Perrin. Jeffrey. Perrin. Uh, yeah. Jeffrey. Um, so whoever leads the alma it's supposed to be very memorable and i was in full support of having jeff lead the alma because you know it's your brother you should he should be leading the alma and then he like came up to me a did like maybe like a week before present night maybe a week and a half and he was like you know no like i am not musically talented enough for this i would feel way more comfortable if you let it and I said, of course, if you, you change your mind, whatever, I totally understand that. And then it wasn't really nerve wracking, but it was a lot of preparation and a lot more work than you think it is hmm. to have everyone be on the same page for the whole song. And I mean, shout out to everyone for learning the words quick enough so that we could stay on cue and stuff and understand everything. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really go people don't really realize that leading an alma can be significantly harder than leading a fighter cheer for um, many reasons. But one of them most notably is length. Like you have to control a three minute song versus a fighter cheer, which is like a minute and a half, two minute song. And that can unless be a you're Loyola. Well, yeah, except for Loyola's cheer, but that's, that's something else. Right? We don't go, we don't talk about that one. <laughs> I mean, I Say that like I could not wait, wait, wait. wait. We're all talking at once, boys. We got to figure this out. Dean, do you want me to go or you want to go? You're gonna want to hear what I have to say. Let me just preface that. Okay, say what you say and I'll respond. Okay, let me just say there was there was an episode, I think Jared's episode, where I took a hard hit on uh leading the Wyoming fight. Um, and I would like to publicly say that I couldn't do it. Um, and it is really tough. Um, and I give a lot of credit to everyone that does lead a song. Um, and ultimately, I think we made the best decision in having someone else do it. Um, and I have a lot of respect for the people that do do it. Um, and, you know, when it comes to when it comes to leading a song, all I would say is um, it takes a lot of courage. Um, and it's not only about leading it, but it's also about learning it and making sure that everyone around you can follow, you know, like everyone can generally follow the words and sing them but um telling people where to put the words and bringing your hand down at the right time is something very very different um, yeah I, would and like I learned to, a lot from the whole experience i'd like to jump in really quickly and also thank ethan mannon for the opportunity to lead the alma because i was supposed to lead the fight until he took that on 
So thank you for the opportunity to have a song open to lead. Oh, yeah. You were better suited to the alma anyway, Noah, okay. in my opinion. Um, and then in continuation to the question of what, like, what made it so special is, you know, we had a team that just cared so much. And even though we're down, like, over 100 points, we're out of it. You know, nobody treated it as if we were out of it. And that's what led it to be so emotional because although we knew like that song would have no, would have no translation to us going to first place and it wouldn't change the fact that we can't win college league. We knew that it was a thing that could like cement our legacy as a team. And that's why everyone cared so much. And that's what made it that much more special than any other album I've ever been a part of. Yeah, I mean, shoot, there you go. Uh, one thing I, I do want to say before that, like us, like it wasn't just one person making a decision on who led each song. It's always a group decision. So I wanted to make that clear because obviously, Noah, you were the most well-suited for it and you did a fantastic job. Other than the fact that you were smiling so wide while all of us were just completely bawling. Um, so, yeah, sorry, so, let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me throw that up for everyone. Okay, so... The night before Prez night, I was just making sure I knew everything. It was like 3 a.m. I was listening to the song and it was just me and, and a sleep Jared in the war room. And like I was listening to the song and like I just like started tearing up and I was like, I cannot get sad during actual Prez night. So I convinced myself that it was a very happy song and that I was ear to ear smiling the whole time, which I got. Um, a lot of a lot of slack for over the past six months in the off season. I mean, dude, that's totally fair. If you're doing it so you weren't crying, then like I totally understand the reasoning for that. I don't think anyone else needs to uh, um, dispute that. So, I mean, can I just say I do feel that Almas are happy songs. Like, I think Ooh. it's a celebration. Ooh, that's a very think. hot take. I No, I agree with Ethan. Like, I, I don't, like, yes, people cry, but I don't think it's, like, yes, it's out of sadness, but it's out of celebration, and it's out of sadness that something good is coming to an end, not out of sadness that something terrible has happened. Like, it, it's a proud moment. Completely agree with Ethan. Holy Ethan, do you guys remember Eddie Soto for Northwestern? Yes, he was smiling while his CITs were sobbing around him. He was originally using a different song, but like a much sadder song than he ended up using. What song was he originally using? I don't remember. It was some really slow, sad song. And when I asked him about why he changed it, he's like, I'd rather have a song that celebrates the team. Like, the Alma's not meant to be, like, the Alma's obviously a sad thing because we all, everyone in this camp loves College League. It's this thing we're all obsessed with and where everyone's sad it's over. But like it's really the almost the story of the team. It's meant to be a celebration of everything the team accomplished over the last five and a half weeks. Yeah. And I really think that's what made Wyoming special. Like it was a sad moment for all these people because it was ending, but it was really this happy thing because you guys just sort of went back on this incredible journey you all went on. Yeah. There you go. There you go, folks. Um, as we sort of come to the tail end of our today's episode, I kind of want to hit each attendee today and Ask them, like, one of their highlights of the summer. Not really highlights, but something that made the summer different than everything else, which I guess is a highlight. So, uh, Jack Rose, you've been quiet for a bit. Let's talk about you for a second. 
Yeah, all right. What made 2021 different for than all the others for you? Yeah, so 2021 was definitely different for me because, I mean, it was sort of a way for me to, you know, learn more responsibility in life. Mm. You know, I'd gone through all my camper years as just, you know, irresponsible Jack. Hey, you, you wanted know, Uncle Henry as a high-low. Yeah, but, I mean, I was definitely, I, I was like a child, you know? And uh, 2020 was definitely a good year for me to learn a lot. And it made it so special that I got to be on a team with Steen, you know, be on Loyola, which was, you know, such a great team for me to learn a lot on. And I learned so much about how college league teams are run from a counselor standpoint. Um, you know, I got my campers who, you know, I hope to be with this cup coming summer too. If any of them are listening, shout out my boys. And uh, I got to run, you know, be a major part of a color war team with my best friends in all of camp. So it was definitely, you know, um, by far my favorite summer I've ever been at and a huge year for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Jake, on to you. Uh, my favorite memory of the 2021 summer was having the privilege of being a Georgia Bulldog. Uh, that's something that I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, I was given opportunities that not many other people will ever will ever receive. Uh, I was given the opportunity to work with some of my really good friends, some of my best friends. And, uh, you know, I had a great time. I, I don't care about the score. Maybe. Um, <laughs> we should have won the Alma. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, beef. Okay. Fair enough. That, that's a conversation. Yeah. Thanks for giving me this opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Katzman, uh, highlighted summer. Um, not, I'm not going to go through a highlight of the summer because I think we all, I think everyone should know what my highlight of the summer was, but kind of just thank you to all the opportunities that I got, regardless of whether it was college league, you know having a chance to help run a team, color war, helping to run a team, uh, being trusted to be in bunk one, a shout out all my boys, if you're listening, um, and just getting the, getting the chance to grow up in a sense, just like Jack was saying, but yeah, it's, uh, in a sense, just an opportunity that you can't experience until you become a counselor and, you know, getting that opportunity to, experience a sense of responsibility and a chance to lead with some of my best friends in camp is something I'll never forget. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Manon, on to you. Favorite points or memory of the summer? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone mentioned this yet. Favorite memory of the summer. Um, gotta be color war with all you guys. Um, definitely it was a great five and a half days, four and a half days, whatever it was. Um, of course, running down to the lake in the end makes it, you know, it's like icing on the cake, but sitting in that room and getting it done, or honestly, we didn't even get that much done. We kind of just sat there and, you know, joked around. We were all on different team or Holgate and I and Katzman actually and shared the team. You but... can't tell people that we actually did nothing. No, we did so I much. Mean, <laughs> like we did like compared. Okay. Okay. Compared to the amount of time we spend we don't do that much, but can, like, if you look at everything we did, I guess it's a lot. 
Yeah, we um, do spend, Rose, you're right. We do spend a good t- a chunk of our time consuming Applebee's. Our, I mean, videos of people sleeping. War rooms. Applebee's keeping Manitou counselors fed for a large number of years yeah. now. We need to like <laughs> name an award. Like, you know how they used to have like- Should we the, do an um, Applebee's award? Like who spends the most money? Yes, exactly. Like, counselor gets an Applebee's gift card. <laughs> Dude, I would, I would spend so much at Applebee's just to get like twenty five dollars at Applebee's, man. Because well, like we used to have the um, two for twenties. Come on, the two. Oh, can't beat it. Can't beat I'm a sorry, two for twenty. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, Bulgate, but that sentence you just said, there's no way that was a literate sentence. What did I say? <laughs> like, you said, quote unquote, I would give so much money. Just to spend twenty five dollars at Applebee's, end of quote. <laughs> hey man, I, I'm not the best public speaker. All right, we don't need to get no. Nah, you you guys all are right, great. All right, all right. But back to the podcast. Say, yes, okay. yes. Uh, back going back. Uh, doing it, doing maroon with all you guys was by far the best. Um, and then to double with that i would say being a unit leader this year was a great opportunity that i didn't necessarily expect um to receive but it came in front of me and i I did it and um it was a lot of fun i really enjoyed it um doesn't mean it was always easy but i always enjoy a challenge um and i i find that it was very rewarding so both of those yeah there you go do you guys have any uh last questions or last things you want to say I'll leave the yeah. floor open. I would have, I have, I have one thing to say. Okay. Um, just a big thank you for having me on the podcast as probably the number one supporter in the world of the 10 for two guys uh, show. I have over 10,000 hours listened. Um, it's honestly great to uh, be here and um, experience um, what it's like to be on the show. And thank you to all of my fellow uh, participants on the show. It's great to um, be in, shined in the same realm as all three of you guys and i'd love to do it any other time thank you so much for sure for sure uh anybody else jvh uh once again i would like to extend a thank you to the 10 for two boys for allowing me to take the time to be on your podcast for two guys guys. Um, buddy crap (laughs) 10 for two guys I would also like to thank Matthew Holgate for giving me the opportunity to run over the to run up the hill to win Color War. It was a great moment in my life. Absolutely. Hopefully, you as a listener got to get some sort of information out of this uh, little farm that we had here. Probably. If anybody not. has any questions, obviously feel free to drop them by later and stay open in our DMs. Uh, Steen, you have anything more to say? Yeah, I mean, a lot of fun having you guys on. I think this went pretty well for six people. And as always, stay marvelous, Manitou. Peace.